Yeah. Money only brings out more of who you are. Let's do that. So, so we start this one off with that that quote there. Um, you can repeat it again. That money doesn't change you. It just brings out more of who you are. Money and power. They're synonymous in a sense, but. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the you know quote I was really writing on money doesn't change you; it changes the people around you. Yeah, and it comes back down to this whole survivalism mentality um, that we all have. It's because resources are limited. You know, we all do want a chance of status and prestige because that gives us more of a chance of reproduction, like we're here to do, like our our purpose here on this earth is to do. Um, and so it's interesting. It's interesting to think about. Um, have you ever at a point in your life thought money was evil? Absolutely. When I was just growing up, just, um, how can I explain this? I've always thought money was evil because growing up, you, you always see how, when, when you're always struggling for money and how it always seems like, like all your problems will be solved because of, from the lack of money, you start to see not having that resource as something bad. Right. You know, like money is always an uncomfortable topic to talk about. It is. Yeah. In general, especially in college. You, yeah, I've seen some fights happen over money because someone says, oh, you don't have any money and it, it started fighting everything. But it's, uh, I've always thought money was the root of all evil because of the way that I see how, how I see it motivate people, businesses, and whatnot. But what I started to realize as I get older is that money itself is not evil, but it's how we use it because it's our it's our human nature, mm-hmm. our innate human nature. Mm-hmm. It's what makes it seem like that money is evil. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm not one of those people who really gives my opinion about things like this, but I will say the only time that I really feel bad about distribution of money. Um, you know, I don't know much about the healthcare system. I'm still learning about that. But what I can say is therapy is one place where it, it kills me inside. I know therapists, I know they need their money. I know they need their resources for the time they're putting in, the weight they're carrying. But I know people who need, who need therapy. I know a lot more people who need therapy. And so that's the one healthcare area where I'm like, that's kind of non-negotiable. The, the fact that a lot of people don't take part, I know a lot of people don't take part in therapy because of the cost. Yeah, it's, it, it is, it's, it, it does add up. And I can tell you that, I can only speak for my therapist, that she charges a very, she gives you an option. But I think it's because of the company that she works for that she can, you can even, you can either pay her the minimum, which is $50 an hour, or you can pay her the maximum, which is like $150 an hour. And... When she told me that, I felt, I was like, man, I can't, I can't just do $50. So I did 75, you know, I met in the middle and she was very understanding of that. But I know a lot of therapists, or you should say psychiatrists, because psychiatrists charge a lot of money. They're the ones who charge, there's like, obviously, you know, there's a difference between a psychiatrist and a therapist. Right. Psychiatrists are people who actually, they can help you. Prescribe you. you. Yeah, prescribe you medication and everything. But I know that there's like, I think... I don't, it's funny that you say it's from a lack of money because from my experience is that people are just afraid to go to a therapist. And I'm not saying that people, oh, everyone should get therapy. I'm not trying to say that, but it's, I've never heard it being from a lack of resources before. So that's just very interesting yeah, that you bring yeah, it up. Yeah, I hear it a lot because the person's fear of going to therapists, a lot of it is a fear of my money leaving a lot of other fears in general are the fear of having a lack of money to begin with so one extra step is going to hurt me more people are scared to go to the doctor for the same reason because of the expense yeah that's like, true no matter, no matter how severe it is people have a lot of people have died for the sake of 
trying to hold out and not go to the doctor. A lot of people have found things that they should they should have found earlier because they held out too long. That's true. And so that's the only time I feel like the most. That's why I feel the most empathy when it comes to money. Is I, I'm, I'm happy for those who were able to win and get that big house on the hill with the gate around the fence with the partner you wanted and things like that. But the biggest concern to me is the fact that people can't get access to healthcare uh, to the essential to, to the greatest asset their health, which results their time. And I'm going to say something. I don't like to get super political, but I believe that healthcare should be free. Healthcare should be free. I strongly believe that. But the problem is, is that healthcare businesses, obviously, they don't see it that way. You know, they're trying to make money. Have you seen John Q? I've not seen John Q. You should watch that movie because it's a prime example of how the healthcare system cares more about money than people's actual lives. Basically, in that movie, Denzel Washington's son, he needs surgery. He needs he needs a new heart, basically. And in the movie, Denzel and his family, they're basically broke. Yes, they live in a house, but they're very broke. They live a very, very humble lifestyle. He, I can't remember what he does, but he, he, he's looking for work. And his wife is a waitress, and they have one kid. His kid has an enlarged heart, and he needs to get a heart transplant. Well, they take him to the hospital, and they straight up tell him, like, hey, this is what's wrong with your son, yada, yada, yada. We can help him, but you're going to have to put down a $75,000 deposit for the surgery. The surgery costs, like, $200,000. And they were like, we don't, we don't have, like, $75,000. Like, our insurance won't cover it? No, it, it, it doesn't cover it. I can't remember why I didn't cover it, but right, yeah. But it's that's what a lot of people don't realize. Yes, that's an extreme example, you know, because obviously it's Hollywood. They got to make it to a movie, but I'm not saying that exact situation happens. But situations like that occur a, lo- a lot, especially in lower income communities where you you know there's something wrong with you. You know you have, but you can't get the help that you need because from a lack of resources. Right. And so was the individual with money or an individual with this or that it doesn't really bother me. But as we talked about in the past, the, the, the book, um, let me get back to exactly what you're talking about. I talked about in the past, the book, The Rich Man in Babylon, it came out in the late 1800s. And this pamphlet, as a, the first form of IP, he used a pamphlet that he'd go around and give, George, uh, George Clausen. And he'd go around and give. And a lot, and a lot of people who end up adopting this ideology J.P. Morgan, where, where the banks and the insurance companies. And so banks and insurance companies are based off the same set of principles on how to profit, how to mitigate risk, how to do things like that. And because of that, we're in a, I don't think, you know, I, I try to say money is not the root of evil, but I would definitely say these banks and these insurance companies are not far from it. And insurance companies have taken over the medical field. Mm-hmm. They don't like they don't like using insurance or get around insurance because insurance tells the doctors what they'll get paid or what they won't get paid, and insurance chooses what clients they'll take on, what people they won't take on. They'll drop you when you're older if they want to. They they they, they their legal teams are so built out they're gonna find a way around, uh, maintain their money and doing the and doing the the minimal for you or the health provider, and so I do believe healthcare should be free. Because the library is free, you know, that's also another system that we use. Uh, uh, you know, I see people get on the metro and stuff like that, going from place to place, public transportation, to the degree, if you really need it, that's free. 
So I, I, I believe healthcare should join that because if we don't, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect all of us, right? If my neighbor's place is on fire and that fire is somehow growing, it's going to eventually burn down my home. And any personal decency, your neighbor's place being on fire is enough for you to take action. You have to wait for it to touch yours. So right. I believe healthcare should be free. I believe that. And who knows, maybe if healthcare is free, you know, instead of doctors being paid by these healthcare, these rich healthcare companies, They'll be paid by the government, which means they'll make less, and you know they might start being better with their money. Might be better with your money. Yes, seriously, you'd probably be a better accumulator of wealth if you were doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, uh, we talked about how teachers. It's an impressive man. You guys got to read, got to study, but these teachers, uh, they're PAWs, prodigious accumulators of wealth, and what this means is they may make thirty thousand or fifty thousand a year. But about them to get to retirement, they put away more money than most doctors and attorneys do. Yep. They put away a lot of money compared to what they earn. Student loans paid off, all of that. Well, well I'm not going to say all the way paid off, but yeah. Te- teachers put away, put away a lot more money than um, a, a lot of these other professions. And it's just something in the nature of the, uh, the humility and the humbleness of their job. They don't have a need to play keep up with Jones. They work inside their, within their means. Any cash gift they receive, they invest it. They are so good with money. Uh, as medical professionals, a lot of specialists have a hard time with that. And here's another thing that my, I believe my mom told me this, that when teachers are, teachers are enticed to go to inner city schools because when they teach at these inner city schools, after they do their five years, I believe their student loans are paid off. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the way my mom explained it to me. And I believe that teachers, if they decide to get their master's or they decide to get their doctorate, then their student loan payments are frozen. Mm-hmm. No interest on it or anything. So it's almost like teachers have better student loan forgiveness plans. So that's the, that's the less expense that they have to um, put money towards. But Right. Because, you know, teachers are, I believe teachers are paid by the government, taxpayers, basically the state that they're in. But... Yeah. Yeah, and I don't really put too much. Student loans are huge, but I don't put too much attention to that. No, you, but you got to have student loans to understand that it, it does add up. It, yeah. it, it true. Like, there are some people who have to pay like 500 a month, like a car payment, because of how expensive it is. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, I, I ten, I 10K, uh, which wasn't much at all. Um, but what I can say is, you know, end of the day, if you were to put aside your money, and allocate it the right way. So you lived, if you lived inside your means like you're supposed to, chopping down any loan you've ever taken out is a lot more practical. If I took out a loan for 250000 I cannot complain about 250000 five years from then because there is a way for you to, to really chop that down. The problem is you're already living off of most of your, you're living above your means already. So you can't put money aside to take care of the things you're supposed to take care of. You gotta humble yourself, move in with family, get tons of roommates, do whatever you got to do to knock off debt. But for you to prolong it uh, for the sake of uh, making people to, to appear successful, to appear that you're in a place that you currently are not, that's where the problem comes in. Um, and, you know, teachers don't have to worry about that. They live in a, they work in a modest society and they're, you know, they serve the community. So they don't really have to... Um, Live above their means. Yeah, and I've known a lot of teachers who have to get second jobs because I know, like, a lot of teachers, even if you do live below your means, 
there's still a lot of expenses that you have to pay. Of course. Rent. Of course. Student loans. Of course. Car payment, car insurance. And, it's, and like I said, it's a state, but of course it's a, it's a state by state basis depending on where you live. But you ask yourself, what kind of car do you have? What kind of, what kind of place you need to have? That's the real thing. So you can, of course you can have expenses. That's, that's, that's not the point. The point is, you know, what expenses are you taking on? I have this apartment here, which is like a, like a little bit, you know, a little bit larger one for LA. I chose that. I cannot cry because I chose that. I could have found a place $500 an hour out of LA. I could have found a room for that, but I chose this. And I can't complain about me having debt about anything because I should have put aside, I, I should have lived below my means if I wanted to go tackle something directly. So we can't act like every car is on the same board. We can't act like every necessity is on the same board as far as rent. It's whatever you're willing to sacrifice. And it seems that specialists, specialists have the hardest time living below their means. They have to drive the Mercedes so people at work know they have that. They have to have the nice watch on. They have to have this or that so they show their family, hey, mom, I made it. I'm a doctor like you guys expected me to be, and I am making a lot of money. But how much am I keeping is what the question I'm asking. For sure. No, that makes perfect sense. And it's just what I'm trying to say is that I do acknowledge that specialists are bad with money. Well, I know that doctors are bad with money. I can't speak for lawyers. I can't speak for I, I don't know. But I, I know there is a general consensus that doctors are bad with money on, on average. But as far as like the reason why teachers retire well, well, it's just because there's just more state incentives like the state. There's there's more they, there's more benefits like, I don't know how to explain let's, it. Let's escape from teachers. Let's just talk about specialists. It's really about specialists being poor with money more so than the counterpart being good with it. Specialists have a hard time with money because they haven't handled it early enough in life. And I have this one friend who's the exception to the rule because he worked simultaneously while trying to get his degree. And he, he worked at a trade school or something of that nature where he was paying off tuition by working for, for the school. Scenarios like that will get you more prepared but really to be well at handling money, you have to handle it as soon as possible. That's why there's some demographics that handle money so well, because their parents handled money well. And so they pass on to their child, or their child was two years old, or a child was four years old, or a child was five years old. So, so uh, something in the African-American community, not a lot, a lot of African-Americans are not, are not great at handling money. It's because they're exposed to handling it so late. Same goes for these specialists. They're exposed to handling it so late. So here's what I was going to say about the teachers. My bad. Going back to the teachers, not every, I believe it, I believe it's truly a case by case basis because the majority of Americans are not good with money. The majority of Americans are, are, are bad with money. It's, it's true. It's, it's, it's statistics shows that. It's true. So while yes, out of that group, teachers are, teachers are probably the best with money, but there are a lot of teachers. I would say that's the minority versus the rule. You know what I'm trying to say? And that's, that's, that's true. That's true. It's definitely the minority. Minority of people in general are good with money. We're talking about percentages per profession. So how about this? You go ahead and do the studies. Anyone else who's watching this, go ahead and actually look at the real data. Nothing I say here really matters because I don't make the rules. I just tell you, I just tell you, I just reflect exactly what the data says. So go out there, do the research, read about the topic ex extensively, and then you find out. Who actually accumulates the most? Who saves the most? Who invests the most? Who grows it? And when they're on their deathbed, tell me who has the most. And that's going to tell you really how money moves, how people move from generation to generation, how people respect money, how people handle money. When you handle money better, it sticks to your hand better. I don't know why that is. Um, a lot of people in my community don't handle money well. They can't stick to their hands. They can't grow it. Um, 
And so myself, I'm trying to reverse engineer that and fix that within myself. But um, yeah, just do the research, do and the you, research. And my mom actually said something very interesting. She said that the reason why, I'm not gonna give the actual story, but the reason why a lot of people in our community are bad with money is because a lot of us weren't taught. We didn't and handle it soon enough. She says that she says that her parents didn't teach her, parents' parents didn't teach them, yada, yada, yada. Like they, they just weren't taught how to manage their money correctly. The worst part about it was they were taught. They're taught poorly. Yeah. They saw mom use a credit card one too many times. They saw mom use a kid's credit card one too many times. They were taught. We were taught. We're all taught. Putting things in your kids' names. We're all, we're all instead of instead of your own. We're all taught. We're all, we're all we're all we all see it. We all do it. So whether they think they're teaching you or not, they're teaching you. When your parents are in and their your financial relationship with with money through your parents is what you learn. If your parents are in a, a relationship that has domestic violence, you're more likely to go into another relationship that has domestic violence. If you're in a relationship that's that's that, that they're healthy and they love each other, you're more likely to be in a relationship that's healthy where you love your partner and you guys can work out. And have something that's more long term. It's we we learn so much, and we learn very little by people's words. We learn mostly by people's actions. Right. And so, um, the biggest thing I'm trying to let people know here is not the profession that tells you the money you're going to have. It's your temperament around money. It's your relationship with money that determines it more than anything. Scratch a teacher thing. Scratch a specialist thing. It's a re- it's a relationship you have with money that's going to determine your trajectory more than anything else. And a lot of people don't have a good relationship with money at all because they're not taught about it by their parents. They're not taught about it in school. Like, there should be a financial education course in high school, but there isn't. And like you said, a lot of people learn when they actually start making money and they learn the hard way. And then 30 years down the line, they retire or they die and, and they have nothing. And you got to also ask who invented the school. You know, the person who invented the school go to school. Like, you got to ask, where, you know, where does this all start? You know, yeah. back to me saying the wolves are giving sheep advice. Like, if, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a millionaire, the last thing I want is competition. That's true. That's all it comes down to. So, yeah. So, you, so wolves giving sheep advice. You're going to school to learn to be an employee. And that's okay. You're going to school to learn how to be a sheep. Or you're, being bu- exactly. you're being taught by wolves. And the teachers aren't the... The, the, the teachers aren't the wolves. It's the, the teachers are the sheep as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know this. I had a teacher who looked at me sideways one time as he's teaching me something. He's teaching me something about how readers are leaders and that you'll make about you know over a million more in your lifetime if you read thirty minutes a day. And he was telling me this, and he also looked at me sideways and was telling me something else. And he, and he says that we have a curriculum that we have to teach. And it kind of sounded like the teacher was in the sunken place type of thing. Like, okay, okay, but <laughs> take the flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he said he said it in a way that he's like, he said, well, the truth is, they don't want us to teach you well. Like, they want us to teach you, but they don't want us to teach you well. He, he's very open about that. He, they want you to teach us this set, you know, learn about area, learn about, you know, geography. Uh, see where you perform best at, so you'd be a best employee in that area. But we're not trying, we're not, we're not trying to make business leaders. Because that's competition for the people that they put us in place for. And it's not that he has a great insight of who his hierarchy is, but he just knows that the curriculum they gave him. And the, he knows that everyone has a common understanding that the curriculum they give in traditional school is not going to help you 
outperform the masses. It's just so you perform a little bit below the nation. So, all right. Um, Sounds good. It's a Black Hollywood. Um, I love to elaborate on this more. We're pretty sure probably like the 15 minute mark. But, yeah, uh, probably like uh, 20. <laughs> guys, yeah. gotta love it. Thank you for your guys' time. Thank you, guys.